0: Hello and welcome to the ARC Podcast. I'm Adam.
1: And I'm Joy.
0: On today's episode, we have a returning guest. Tessa Afshar was here at the Tyndale offices. We got a chance to sit down and talk to her about her upcoming book, Bread of Angels.
1: Tessa was such a pleasure to have. She has also written another book with Tyndale called Land of Silence. Both of these books are about heroines that come to understand a new idea of who they are in God's story. And they both play a pivotal role in the history of the bible
0: we got a chance to talk to her about how she researches her characters and her writing process it was a really great conversation and if you want to listen to our other conversation check out episode number 26 so we hope you enjoy this episode and if you want to learn more about tessa you can visit her website tessaafshar.com or find her books at Tyndale.com or anywhere books are sold Nessa, thank you for coming into the Tyndale offices. We don't usually get authors come here to talk to us, so it's a pleasure to have you here. And we're overlooking the nice parking lot, Tyndale and the pond (laughs) with the fountain going, and Mm -hmm. you picked a great time to come to Chicago. This is the best time of year, spring. Mm
2: -hmm. It's a pleasure to be here with you. And of course, I flew all the way here just for this interview
1: (laughs) (laughs) and look you look beautiful for all of our listeners who are wondering
0: um
1: so tessa you are actually the first second time guest on the air podcast so thank you for being with us again
0: episode
2: 27 i i'm really excited does that mean that people listen to the first episode yes you were that good
1: we wanted you again if
0: you haven't paused this yes go back and listen to that one and then come back Yes. So welcome back.
1: You're back. So we're here today to talk about Tessa's next book called Bread of Angels. And Tessa I'm wondering if you can give us a synopsis of this book and if in any way it relates to your first book, Land of Silence.
2: Bread of Angels is based on the woman named Lydia in the book of Acts. Uh, She's of course the seller of purple. And uh, yes there is a connection. Land of Silence was about the woman with the issue of blood in Jerusalem. And I wrote her, because we don't know her background, I wrote her as someone who grew up in a family who sold fabrics and dyed fabrics. And so um, Lydia, when she was a little girl, came to visit uh, Eliana, that woman, and her household. And then in this book, Bread of Angels, Eliana also makes a small appearance.
1: Did you know that at the time you' were writing Land of Silence that you had Lydia in mind for the next book?
2: I did know that. Okay. Yes, it was okay. yes. It was unintentional. So yes Yes, <laughs> okay. it was planned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So my question is, so Lydia is featured in X, like one or two paragraphs. How do you then, what's your process for um, outlining and deciding her character and basically expanding? Into an entire novel. What are the things you have to decide about her purpose and her character details?
2: That's such a great question. With biblical novels, you have certain things that you are not going to change or in any way mess with because it's the Word of God. And what you want to do with the actual inherent information is to keep it intact and build on that and expand it in such a way that it makes what is present in the Bible more uh, illuminating. So when you come to Lydia there are a few things you know about her. You know she's a seller of purple. You know purple is a very expensive dye. There are two ways of making it. You can make the really expensive purple from those little snails or there's kind of fake purple that you can make that's still expensive but slightly less. And uh, so then you have a woman and she's a head of the household. There's no mention of a husband or a man, so clearly she's successful in a man's world. This is really intriguing to me, because most of us today as women, we have to work at some point in our lives. And so you ask yourself, how did she succeed in such a man's world? And what does that mean about her personality? So you start with that. You start with How did she succeed? What kind of a person was she? What did she have to face in order to succeed and to push through and establish herself? Mm -hmm. And so uh, clearly she was someone who was uh, full of perseverance and grit and courageous, but I thought, wouldn't it be fun if she also had struggles with fear? Because I find in real life, that the juxtaposition of the opposites in our personalities is not really that uncommon. That you find some of the most successful people are people who also struggle a lot in different areas of life. You look at someone like President Lincoln, he struggled deeply with depression. And yet here's a man who is almost, I mean his courage is legendary. So so I wanted to do that to Lydia essentially.
1: Mm. What are some of her fears?
2: when the book starts she struggles with fear of failure she struggles with financial fears and then as her life develops and the bad things in life that happen to all of us you know she has her share of them then her fears multiply and deepen Mm -hmm. Mm
1: And I think you make a good point, Tessa, about how we have those juxtapositions within ourselves and really we have to apply the Word of God, His truth, to where there's conflict within us. Because sometimes I experience that the more negative side or the dark side of my personality can feel stronger than the lighter side. And fear, we none of us like operate well when we are fearing something. And even when we have our best gifts or an opportunity to use you know our foresight or um, gifts you know the the fear can really hinder us from doing that
2: I think that's very true I also think that there's a reason God allows these um, more vulnerable parts of us to be there I think they're the places that first turn to Christ the ones that are more broken, the fearful place is the one that recognizes its need for Christ. Mm -hmm. The one that is strong, the part of me that's strong and life's control, that part is gonna resist Christ as long as she can. Mm -hmm. But it's the fearful one that recognizes I need a savior, I need a father, I need a protector, and I need a provider. Mm -hmm. And for someone who is strong on the one hand, and talented and gifted, like Lydia must have been, and yet at the same time to have this struggle, because we all get to a point where we recognize I am finite. It doesn't matter how talented I am. It doesn't matter how gifted. It doesn't matter how experienced, how much learning I have. There's a point that all of this comes to an end and I will find myself facing a situation where I don't know how to do it Mm -hmm. or I may leave a gap or I may leave let people down or I may not have the provision I need for my family there is a lot particularly when it comes to the work of our hands there is a lot that's convoluted and can suck us into fear Mm -hmm. but that fear handled rightly is a holy place Mm -hmm. of meeting God Mm
1: That's beautiful, Tessa.
0: Mm-hmm. I have a question more about the uh, your writing process for this. So it's obvious um, you've done some research, reading it, just uh, reading what I have about like the dying process. How how deeply and um, basically, what was your research process like? Um, how deeply did you go into what she might have done with her job and the because. I noticed one of the best parts about your writing is you're able to set up a scene, all the details. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Thank you. I think for a historical novel of any kind, the more you understand about the history, the geography, the scene, and uh, whatever trade that you're talking about, the better that book becomes. You just have to be really careful not to give too much information so it's not a textbook, it's a novel. So you're creating an atmosphere and your reader feels like they are in that place with you and they have uh, been removed out of their lives, out of their daily problems, and they are now sinking into this new world and these new set of problems. And they're solving these problems with the hero as you write it. So for me, it's really important to get as much detail as I possibly can. I am not infallible, but I feel like it's my job. And so as far as the dying process, for example, was concerned, I went to all sorts of places. I um, talked to a professor. I um, read about current ways that we do ancient dying processes and certain cultures today that still do things kind of in the old-fashioned way as much as possible uh i read about it i looked at things that we have extant surviving from the roman empire what fabrics were available what is it like to dye linen versus wool what kind of wool gives the best wool what kind of wool can only be used for blankets versus what can be used for a nice soft garment that someone of high class would wear. Mm-hmm. So things like that, you, you gain a lot of knowledge that you will not use in the process of research. So you better really like what you're <laughs> writing about. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. How did you become fascinated with fabric?
2: My mother was in the fashion industry growing really? up. She went to school, um, she had some training in that, and uh, she worked uh, in England for a couple of design houses. In fact, I like to say, tell the story that um, my mom made a dress that Princess Diana wore at the time she was making it oh. for yeah, for security reasons. She didn't know that she was working on a dress, f- dress for Princess Diana. But so we grew up with textiles around the house, and uh, it's, it's really a, a fascination for me in terms of the quality, color, vibrancy, touch, feel. So I was writing about something that I always liked. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's really neat that you combined it for Land of Silence and Bread of Angels. So I'm sure a lot of what you researched, you took good note and were able
2: to incorporate it.
0: Exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. In uh, Land of Silence, your main character is kind of an outcast, and Bread of Angels, your main character is the head of her household. Uh, What was was it like writing those two different characters, having such different places in their communities?
2: Lydia had to fight to become the head of her household. And in fact, there was a season where she was an outcast, and she had to sort of struggle her way into becoming what she was and I think internally she never necessarily felt like hey and I am the head of my own household and I know what I'm doing Uh, I think that quite uh, the opposite and and this is true for all the people I like the ones who are in positions of high responsibility the ones who are likable are the ones who don't walk around feeling like, I'm so important <laughs> <laughs> and, I, you know, I'm, I'm so above everybody. There is this uh, amazing and genuine humility, and I wanted to write that into her character. But for me, I think if you read the Bible, almost everybody who's fascinating had a, has at some point been an outcast. Even the ones who have never heard. You know, like you have the Moses and the David characters who definitely have gone through their outcast period. And you see that and they've made a mess at some point in their lives. But then you have someone like Daniel, who's one of the few who never messes up. But he also is an outcast. He's a captive. Mm -hmm. And he sort of has to fight to live the way of his faith. So I, I love setting my characters in that position. Mm. in one level or another, because we're all upcasts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: How, Tessa, do you find that it's a reflective process for your own spiritual journey? Because I'm sure as you write, you're writing these principles, these seems especially rooted in scripture. How much are you internally processing through your own life?
2: I can't write what I don't know, um, but there has to be a seed, at least, that I can then build upon and multiply. So there's definitely something of me in all the books. Mm -hmm. And then you have to imaginatively and creatively bend it toward the character so it's not you on the page but it's the character. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. That must be a really neat way of uh, expressing yourself or even probably discovering what the themes and the, the faithfulness of God in your own life and maybe not again like something explicit but you look back and journaling is a great way to do that personally but being a writer is probably takes it to the next level
2: yeah I think I mean each of the books have a memory because it's about a year process that you spend with them so there are certain mer- memories that are embedded in them. Land of Silence uh, is very dear to my heart because it it almost played matchmaker between my husband and me Mm -hmm. uh, I asked him to read Land of Silence as one of my uh, primary readers and uh, because he was a guy I needed a guy and my usual guy reader wasn't available so you know it it, it and I only had 60 pages written at that point but we started seeing each other kind of developing out of that so Land of Silence was pretty amazing and, <laughs> and so there there, there are things yes. that I put in there and then uh, Bread of Angels I decided that I would give Lydia um, a romance later in life mm. because that w- that had been my experience and I, it had been such a joy. I was like all right I'm gonna bless you. It's yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, so wonderful. It's nice to have that power.
0: Yes. <laughs> uh, so do you have like a secret long list somewhere of all the characters you've you'd like to write about, or is this something that just comes to you, and you decide?
2: If I could get to write the characters I want to write about, I couldn't remain within the niche that sort of become my world, so to speak, mm-hmm. which is, uh, everybody expects biblical fiction from me. Um, but there are stories that I have just uh, percolating in the back of my mind. Definitely. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, we'll look forward to those.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If God (laughs) opens that door, I'm running through.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now you mentioned um, your husband being your reader. Is that is he in the creative industry as well, or is this just just a happenstance that he's reading for you?
2: He's an engineer, so he does creativity in a very different way, Um, and he's uh, incredibly supportive of my writing venture and. Rides the ups and downs with me because he's very stable it's it's great and yes. so when I'm discouraged he encourages me mm-hmm. so um, it's it's great to have two people who are actually not in the same industry yes
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. and um, even though these books are about women I started reading read of angels yesterday and I immediately got sucked in so if you're a guy out there <laughs> don't be afraid <laughs> okay. I
2: am coming back for a third interview <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that was awesome thank <laughs> you Uh
1: huh. yes so Tessa if you could share a little bit more I know we have a lot of listeners who are either aspiring writers are fledgling writers um, or just want to know more about the process so do you have uh, words of encouragement or advice
2: I think if you love to write then write don't worry about what you should write or shouldn't write. Write the thing that really attracts you and you love. Mm -hmm. And I think these days one of the things I've learned is, I read a lot of 19th century stuff, the average person can't bear that. It's a whole different pace, it's a whole different game. And so you may find yourself that you like things that are not for the present market. Try and seek things that are and then weave your love into that. My pacing is very different from some of the things I read uh, and I've learned really to change my pacing Uh, and and now I read things that move much faster and I love that myself so I write a faster pace Mm
1: -hmm.
2: or I try to write a faster Mm -hmm. pace. Mm
1: -hmm. It's interesting that what we read can inform how we write and i'm sure you you might say that it's really important to be well read yourself and we were talking to another author who said the very thing she said it would be somewhat odd for you to say oh i have this favorite genre and then want to write in a completely different genre now it's totally possible and you can prefer a variety but to to be well aware of probably even what's being published with biblical fiction too so that you know what you're doing for your market
2: I think for me the thing that I bring into biblical fiction I have the biblical knowledge to some degree because I have the training in it but then I bring my love of historical fiction and that's really what I read a lot Uh, I read historical fiction or I read fantasy that is that has that historical taste. Um, I also love mystery, so I li- read a lot of mystery, like cottage mystery, and so you, there's a thread of mystery in a lot of the novels as well.
1: Hmm. I like
0: that. I'd, I'd like, I'd like to see you write a historical um, mystery sci-fi. So. <laughs> Excellent. I <laughs> uh, do you okay, have a contract. Let's I, yes, I can <laughs> do that. <laughs> that looks funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you joked at the beginning that you came here to do the this interview, but really one of the things you're going to be doing is you're speaking at a local church here, which I I looked at your Facebook page and it seems like you do that quite a bit. Mm. What are the kinds of things that you like to speak about when you when you speak to a church? Mm.
2: My husband and I made an intentional decision this year that I would speak more even though it it has its difficulties. So I stepped away from working at church full time and I'm doing a lot more speaking now. The same themes that uh, really draw me when I write books are the themes that I speak about. So for example, the fact that we are daughters and sons and how important that is to god and how often we don't live out that truth we we live as if we were orphans and the knowledge gets stuck in our heads but when you look at the experience of life we are not living as beloved sons and daughters we're living in our own strength we're trying to make things happen by our own design Uh, we don't have a sense of trust we don't wake up in the morning and say yippee what do you have for me today jesus you know Father, I I trust in you. You're going to have an adventure. I don't know what it is. but And and instead of expectancy, we lean into expectation and are so afraid of being uh, let down. I also love to talk about uh, the whole concept of our worth. Do we have our worth in what we do or in who we are? And these are of course entangled together. It's just that we live in such a culture of achievement and doing that we forget it's about being and the doing flows out of that. So we have a life of wrong order, many of us, and it brings stress, anxiety, depression, and uh, lots of exhaustion into our lives just because our lives are not in the right order. So there are certain themes that I do love to talk about and uh, tonight of course we also have listeners uh, or or, uh, amongst the audience those who uh, don't have a relationship with God, don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so part of my passion because I'm a convert and because I remember so vividly life without Jesus is to talk about that. What is it like uh, to belong to Him? Mm Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we talk a lot about how our stories are sometimes the most powerful to share for where we see the Lord work, Jesus be present. And I really like what you said, Tessa, about waking up with expectancy and not leaning as much into expectation. And I'm the queen of that and find that it's a lot harder to find contentment that way. And the secret to contentment is Christ. Uh, but we we chase some flashy things around and think they might satisfy, and it's it's really only temporary.
2: Yeah, and I I think you know for me, um, uh, I I've been trying to do that, and as you say, it's a very difficult lifestyle, mm-hmm. and I don't often achieve it perfectly. But I remember Alan Arnold. I was listening to something he said, and. Uh, he he gave a good description of expectancy, which I tried to lean into his mm. description, which was you don't tell God what it is that you're going to, that you're expecting. You just expect that whatever He's going to give you is a good thing, even if it's painful, even if He allows some kind of pain that ultimately that's for the good and Mm. so that's the adventure is is the expectancy that god wants good for you and 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 obviously and i apologize to alan if i'm misquoting him (laughs) but that's how i internalized uh what he was saying anyway
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah we're starting to get to the end of our time and Mm -hmm. i didn't ask if i was allowed to ask you this question but are you able to give us a teaser, I know this book is just coming out, are you you able to give us a teaser for what the next book is?
2: I can tell you, and then you can cut it out out if we're not allowed, (laughs) yes. So the next book uh, is about, uh, what we decided was we were going to do a series of books about very minor characters in the book of Acts. So Lydia is our first, and we have a series of other characters in the book of Acts. The next one is actually the main character is a fictional character. It's the brother who's in the book of Acts. The brother is called Dionysius and he's a man who converts to Christianity in Athens when Paul goes there. So it's, it's her story and his story kind of entwined together told from her perspective. Wow,
1: that's really neat. Yeah. It's a good challenge to exercise and imagination. <laughs> and I think the beautiful thing about what you do, Tessa, is that it brings life to the Word of God that so often, if you've been in the faith for a while, can, unfortunately, we can just read things and reread them without understanding context or culture. And we can isolate verses or stories without getting the entire narrative. And by reading something supplemental like this it gives voice and color. <laughs> Literally, for your books, um, to the stories.
2: Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's what I try to do. It's the greatest compliment when some of my readers write to say, it made me go and read the Bible yes. and uh, for the first time. And so I think, obviously, these are just novels. They, they, there's no power in novels other than sort of the inspiration that you could get from uh, a talk, when you go to a talk or something. But the real power is in the Bible, and I never, ever claim that that's in the novels. But I do put a lot of uh, sort of verses, uh, some of the chapters in, in, the, in the two books, all the chapters have b- biblical verses as headings to help you kind of prepare you for what's coming a little bit. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But, but the idea is to make the Bible life-giving and attractive for readers. While you're having a lot of fun, hopefully. I mean, there's, I, 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 I'm always for fun and a yeah. little bit of romance. So, Yes. Well, that's beautiful, Tessa.
1: If our readers wanted to find you online or look for your two books, where should they go?
2: They can go to tessaafshar.com. They can go to any uh, online stores or Tyndale's um, website as well. Mm-hmm. Pretty good.
0: So much for taking the time to talk
2: to us. It's always a pleasure with being with you two. <laughs> even <laughs> though you make me wear makeup and do <laughs> my hair. <laughs> Thank you, <Tessa.
0: Thanks.
2: laughs>